Welcome to Forward Obsessed, where we talk to breakthrough business leaders and rising entrepreneurs about their journeys, origin stories, and aha moments. Progress, pitfalls, and pivots. Business is a roller coaster, folks. Strap in, there's only one direction, and it's forward. Hosted by Pete Senna and David Salinas. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to Forward Obsessed. I'm your host, Pete Senna, joined always by my co-host, David Salinas. Hey, Dave. I'm really, really excited for this episode because we're going to talk about tequila. And we're going to talk about tequila with the hot new startup founder of 21 Seeds, Kat Hontis. So, uh, Kat, we've got a lot to talk about. Something tells me that this is going to be uh, a lot more listening and a lot less talking on on my and Dave's part today because you've got a killer story. So, um, maybe we'll just for anybody who doesn't know about 21 Seeds, uh, give us a, just a quick overview on, on who you are and what you're doing, and then we'll, we'll get right into the episode. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. It's so nice to be here. It's a bit smoky out, so <clears throat> excuse me if I'm clearing my throat. Uh, I do not have COVID-19. It's just the fires in California. It's, it's really, really smoky out here. But um, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, 21 Seeds is like you said, an all natural, real fruit infused tequila. I started it with my sister and my girlfriend um, a little over a year ago now. And it's really, it's, I think we've really, we've hit a nerve on how people want to be drinking right now. Um, uh, Especially how women want to be drinking. 80% of our customers are women, which is like an incredible number for a tequila company. I think traditionally tequila is skewed very male. So um, I think the fact that we've created this product that has really tapped into how women really want to be drinking is pretty awesome. Uh, and it's been awesome to watch it flourish and grow and hear back from our consumer. Um, so we're having, we're having a ton of fun with it and we're expanding and things are going well. And I'm, I'm thrilled to be talking to you guys and telling you the whole story, the whole backstory, all of it, how it all came to be and where it's going. So Kat, let's get right into it. I cool. have, I enjoyed our, our prep conversations uh, at length and took tons of notes, but just tell us like you had an aha moment and that's what this is all about. Origin stories, aha moments. So t- walk us right into that. Let's just get right to the meat of things. We'll what just, was the aha moment for this, like, for this project? Yeah. So it, it really started now, nine years ago, I started having night sweats and not fun. Uh, wasn't, I wasn't feeling great. Uh, I went to my doctor. I thought mm, I, I was pretty young at the time. And I thought, am I a menopause? Like, is this menopause? And so went to my doctor. He said, Nope, you're not in menopause. Let's look at what you're eating and drinking. And at the time I was finishing my night off with like a, a glass or two of wine, whether it was white wine, rosé. Um, I was, I loved wine. And, um, he said, well, there's the culprit. And he's like, let's move you off of fermented spirits. And so anything like wine, champagne, beer, sake, like just stop drinking fermented, move over to distilled and uh, specifically move over to a white distilled spirit. Don't do aged because that has its you know, whole other um, set of issues with aging and what goes in from the wood. And so he's like, if you want to feel better, sort of drink cleaner, just drink a white spirit. And, uh, you know, he said, there's still a lot of organic matter in fermented that just goes away um, when you distill. So I thought, okay, I'll try it. At least he didn't tell me to stop drinking. So I didn't have to get rid of him as my doctor. I have two, I have a mom, I have a mom of, I have two kids and uh, you know, I really looked forward to my coffee in the morning and that, you know, glass or two of wine at night. So now I'm drinking a spirit and, you know, he said, why don't you drink Blanco tequila? It comes from an agave plant. So I said, okay, um, I, I, I went home, stopped, you know, immediately stopped the wine. And I, like within three days, I felt a hundred percent better. Like the, wow. the night sweats totally stopped, like my whole body, the, everything shifted. And so I felt great. But now I was sort of stuck now looking at this Blanco tequila, which was like pretty aggressive for a Tuesday night, you know, uh, at that point. And again, this is nine years ago. You know, I when I thought of tequila, I mean, I would have occasionally I would have a margarita. Right. But I was not like a tequila drinker. I was not drinking tequila every night. And so just and it kind of even the smell of the tequila and I was buying good tequila. You know, I was like, if I'm going to be drinking tequila, I'm going to buy good tequila. 
it still smelled like college. It reminded me of college days and, you know, and, and those memories and just, it, it wasn't delicious and it didn't, it didn't smell like relaxing and just fresh. Like there was so much about it that was not appealing. And so I was sort of stuck staring at this Blanco thinking like, what am I going to do to this Blanco tequila to make it as, as delicious and, you know, easy to drink and light and everything that the wine was like, how do I make this Blanco drink like a wine? You know, and that was really the first step. And I thought, uh, you know, I like to cook and I'm like, I'm just going to infuse it. And back then that was like a, a real moment because it was before Oprah was infusing tequila. Like no one had heard about infusing tequila at that moment. So I just, I started infusing it and that completely changed the Blanco tequila, like really completely. It, it made it smell fresh and delicious, like the things I was infusing it with. It didn't smell like tequila anymore. It totally smoothed it out, but it didn't make it sweet, you know, which I don't love sweet. I'm, I'm not like an over, I'm not a sugary, overly sweet person. Like I just wanted it smooth, not sweet. It, it, it made it taste totally different. It was delicious. And it was really easy for me. It was, I could just keep this bottle of infused tequila in the fridge, like I kept the white wine. And I even would pour it into a wine glass because I love the ritual of holding a wine glass while I cook and at dinner. And I would just pour it over some ice with some club soda, a slice of orange, and that's, that's what I drank. And I did that for years and years and years. And over the course of those you know, eight years, um, I noticed that a lot of my girlfriends were also starting to move over to tequila, right? They were also leaving specifically white wine, rosé, and champagne and coming to tequila. Now, now was this because you were yeah. educating them or were they naturally make, was it a trend that you started to notice? It was a trend that I started to notice. I was doing my thing and, you know, what I noticed for them, it wasn't necessarily that they were having night sweats. It's just that they wanted to drink like lower sugar, less carb. They wanted to drink cleaner and lighter. And so they were moving away from those, those things, the wine and the champagne for that, for those reasons. And they were specifically, what I thought was interesting was that they too were coming to Blanco tequila. It wasn't like they were moving from that to like vodka or, you know, like something else they were moving to tequila. So I think simultaneously that trend of tequila was also starting to grow. And so they moved over to Blanco. And what I found most interesting was what they were doing was they were taking that Blanco and then they were squeezing a bunch of fresh lime juice into it to make it again, not taste like tequila and not be harsh. So they were trying, they were drinking tequila for all of sort of the wellness reasons, but they again, didn't want to be tasting tequila. And so that was what I was doing. So I thought, oh my God, they're doing it too. And they were, you know, I was introducing them at that point once they were there. I was like, oh, that looks like acid reflux. That doesn't look like a nice experience. Maybe you might want to try like like my, my, my chest is burning. <laughs> totally. And You're so, making me thirsty. And, you know, in Kat, one of the things that was amazing is just for the, the audience that's listening is, you know, your uh, Valencia orange um, infusion of 21 seeds, you won best of show in 2019, right? So this is yeah. not only are like, in many ways, you've, you've clearly perfected this from, from just all the recent success. So I just want to make sure that the audience knew that because I don't know about you, but I'm getting pretty thirsty now. So I, I want some 21 seeds in my life right now. <laughs> I know. That's the problem is you, running 21 seeds, the drinking starts earlier and earlier. You know, you start talking and you, about the product or just thinking about cocktail recipes. And before you know it, it's like 11 and you're drinking. Uh, but but anyway, so, so yes, yeah, so I noticed this trend was happening and my friends were like, oh, can you just make me a bottle and you know, I'll drink that instead. That's so much better than just drinking tequila with fresh lime juice in it. So that started to happen. And, and that sort of started to snowball. And, and my friends were asking for bottles and bought, and I was making bottles. I was making, I was constantly infusing tequila in my kitchen. And, um, and, you know, again, as that was happening, this tequila trend was, was growing. It was growing and growing and women were moving over to tequila and they really weren't finding, there was nothing like this product on the market for them to buy. So they were sort of, you know, doing what I was doing, like either mo like modifying the tequila with the lime juice or just drinking the stuff that I was making. So finally, after, you know, years and years of this, um, 
you know, a friend was like, why don't you just make this, you know, and, and, and bring this market to the, this product to market. And at the time, you know, I had worked in the film industry and I had, um, I had stopped and I was, you know, raising my kids. I had, I have two kids and, you know, it wasn't my life's goal or dream to like own a tequila company. Honestly, it sounded quite complicated, you know, because it was, how do you go about making tequila? You know, it, it you have to make it in a, in a different country. It's made in Mexico. It, it has a designation of origin. There's a whole governing body around tequila, the CRT. So it's really so much more complicated than just making a vodka or a whiskey or, you know, something here that you can do in the States. So I, I was sort of, wow, huh, how do you, how do you even go about doing that? But it kind of planted the seed, right? I was like, yeah, why, why isn't there this product, right? So at that moment, I, you know, I knew I wasn't going to start this company. If I were going to do it, I wasn't going to do it on my own. I, I knew I, I was good at certain things, but I, I obviously understood my product and what I wanted it to taste like. But, you know, how do you bring a product from kitchen to shelf? Like, how does that work? And I didn't know anything about that. So I knew I needed somebody that knew stuff about that. And that's enter Sarika. That's uh, one of our partners. And so now you're going from the idea. Correct. To now you're starting to develop the project, right? So now you're exactly. going. Okay. Exactly. It was sort of, okay, let's, let's explore, you know, like, let's look into this, let's do some research. And so, you know, we talked to everybody that we could talk to. Anybody would introduce us to someone. We would take the meeting, which I highly encourage uh, anyone out there listening, like don't take every single meeting that you can possibly take. I learned something from every person I speak with, regardless mm -hmm. of whether they're in my industry or not. Like there are also, there are learnings from other industries that we're always incorporating into what we do at, at 21 Seeds even. You know, at that point when I knew I wanted to, to explore this, I, I knew I needed partners and partners who were good at what I was not good at. So I, I approached um, Sarika and I pitched her the idea at the time she was working um, in quinoa and, but she had spent her whole career in CPG. Also hot at the time. <laughs> was super hot at the time. This is again, like two years, three years ago now. Uh, and so she was in, working in quinoa and I said, you know, Hey, listen, you know, that tequila you've been drinking at my parties and at my house and stuff. I want to make that into a product. What do you think? And she loved the tequila. She was already a fan of it. And, um, she noticed the trend too. She too was like, yeah, all my girlfriends are switching to tequila as well. So she was very, very intrigued and loved the concept and was, was really on board from the get go. And, you know, she's super smart. Stanford engineer spent her whole life in, in creating products, bringing them to market. So it, I, I had that piece solved. Mm -hmm. Um, so brought Sarik on board and then we went over to my sister. My sister is our other co-founder, Nicole. And the thing about Nicole that's so great is, um, she's sort of our own Jack Dorsey because she's not only our CFO, but she's the CFO of AngelList, which is an incredible mm. investor platform. Um, so she's quite busy, also a mom of two kids. So my God, um, she's got a lot on her plate, but she's crushing it all. Um, and the thing that was so great about Nicole was that she's not only a very talented CFO, but she had been the CFO of Refinery29, sure. um, you know, from the, from, exactly from the get go. And she'd been there a long time and really saw that whole company grow and be this incredible platform for all things discovery for women. Really, it's a it's like, a you know, it's men as well now, but like it's so female focused in its, its inception and in how it grew. And so she had all of these insights into exactly who I was making this product for, right? Like I really set out to make this tequila for women. And I think that's really an important moment too, is that, you know, you got to make your product for, for someone, for, for a very specific demo, you know, and when you solve the pain points of that demographic, you know, all of them, and you mm. think about that demo um, in its entirety and all of their pain points, you end up solving the pain points for a broader demographic that you're not necessarily looking to reach, but that you end up reaching inevitably because you've created such a great product versus when you try to make a product that's for everyone, you kind of do, I feel like it's very hard to do that. So now, now how did you, how did you land on that? So, cause you have, you've, you from film, then you you've got your 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 next audience is your two kids right which is like mm -hmm. you got to learn them and their ins and outs and then all right. of a sudden now 
you've got this like very specific audience. You've got this woman that you, this, this female that you're very aware of. And you, when we talked about it, you have this, I, I've actually brought it up to several people in conversation. You've got this unwavering focus on your girl, right? That's right. Where did you figure that out? Was it this, the influence from your CFO part and partner and co-founder? Was it just an innate thing for you? Because most people fumble right there when they start a business. They want to be too, well, oh, well, this person would love this and this person would love this. And what about this? And, they, and that's the downfall of brand. But you didn't do that. What kept you in the pocket? Yeah. Um, so it's funny because before when we were talking, I, I'm not an avid reader of books, but I love podcasts and I love research like i'm i was a science major in college like i love deep yeah. diving into any category so when i started thinking about building this brand right because that's really what we set out to do we were we always thought about 21 seeds as a brand and not just a product and so when i started thinking about building a brand i started doing this like deep dive go deep 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 down the rabbit hole of like trying to understand you know, how you build a brand and who, so I, I started looking at like brands that I admire, big, huge brands and like went on YouTube, went on, you know, Google, listen to podcasts, like how do people build brands? And in doing that, there was this one um, brand that XOXO, you know, those kitchen products, of course, right? Obsessed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's such an interesting story of that guy who, who, who really created these products for his wife who had, you know, a trouble, Mobility issues, essentially. Absolutely. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, that's such a non-sexy, you know, brand that, like thing to be talking about probably. You're just like, really? That's the, the inception of it? But like it got him laser focused and hyper focused on, on fixing this, you know, fixing these kitchen utensils and that she could use, right? Like it, he solved every one of her pain points. And in doing that, it's like, I use that brand, you know, like everybody used that brand, regardless of whether you have mobility issues or not, he crushed it. He solved every pain point. And when you do that, you end up reaching this broader audience. And so for me, it's like, that was it for me. I was like, I want to do that. I'm going to stay focused and make sure that I solve every one of her pain points from like, you know, from the fact that it needs to be smooth, not sweet. You know, most Spirits people think like it, the spirits industry is very male dominated. And, you know, this is, mm. this was also part of it. It was like, you had all these people, we didn't come from spirits. So here we were in this industry. Then these folks were like, here, you know, you don't want to like alienate the male demographic. And it was sort of like in our mind, we were like, we're not alienating anybody. We're just focused on this demographic. So it's not about, you know, it's, it's, it's not about trying to keep people out. We were just super focused on her um, and really nobody so, had so it's let funny. me interrupt you there because now we're getting into some of that that good stuff that everyone's going to want to know breaking rules right I was just going to say that the, the beginner's mind that cat brings to the table is clearly why you know 21 seeds is so successful it's you know it's that design for one right you can it's easy to go one to many it's really hard to go many to one that's where a lot of brands yeah. we see it all the time they, they just screw it up because they're speaking to everyone and really no one so Love that. That This is, for me, what's super interesting is just how observative you are. So what I'm picking up from you, Kat, is just how you're really an explorer of the world. And what I want to understand is just when you're thinking about building a brand, so you come from a storytelling background in film, right? Film right. is a story. What I'd love to understand is when you think of, when you're designing the brand initially, coming at it with that beginner's mind, not, you know, not zigging, but instead zagging when everybody else is going this way, take yeah. us through that mindset. Cause for me, I feel like that, that mindset is just such an important thing to cultivate whatever you're doing in business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so uh, the first thing as an observer, as you mentioned, like I'm at, like, again, because I don't really read books, it's like, I am constantly fascinated by stories and I, and I look at the world and I like observe, right? I'm an absolute observer. So the first thing we did was we just took a walk down the tequila aisle, right? And, and literally, you know, as the female consumer, I am her, 
what do I see, right? Like what's in that tequila aisle for her, right? So the good, the good news is, is I didn't need a focus group to help me figure it out. You know, it's like the three of us girls took a walk in, down the tequila aisle and what did we see? And so here's what we saw back then. What we saw was sort of three things. First, there were all these new tequilas that had come on the market, right? And every single one of them, they were Blancos, Reposados, Anejos, Super Anejos, right? And all of them were being marketed like scotches and whiskeys. They, the bottles looked like scotches and whiskey bottles. And for us, um, you know, and it, it was sort of like, okay, well, none of that, we're not drinking scotch or whiskey. You know, um, the, my, I was drinking tequila. The friends I knew were drinking, girlfriends I knew were drinking tequila. So it was sort of like, okay, there's nothing here that like is really speaking to us and how we're drinking. Um, so that was the first thing that I noticed. The other thing was, it was the, sort of the sea of sameness. They all look the same mm. too. And again, I think that's because, um, you know, they're trying to appeal to a different demographic. And, and they're all going to the same designers and ad agencies. We'll get into that in a second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so it was sort of the sea of sameness and nothing was bright and fresh looking or, or, or you know, like jumped off the shelf in any sort of way. It was interesting because there was that in the vodka aisle and in the mezcal aisle, but not in tequila. It was so focused on this like sort of serious scotch and whiskey drinker. Um, and then finally, just we tasted anything that was on the shelf that was flavored. And there were a few things that were there. Um, but again, I'm not a flavored, um, you know, spirits drinker. Like I find flavored spirits to be too sweet. Um, I find them to be, you know what I mean? They're very sweet. They all, they have this weird aftertaste, like you're sucking on a nickel, you know, it's like, they smell like Jolly Ranchers and like, none of that was what I was making at, at home with the infused tequila. Um, and then some of it looked like quite honestly, a ready to drink. It looked like grapefruit juice with colors in it and all that stuff and, uh, or limeade. And so there was nothing on the market that looked or tasted or, um, just presented like something like how I was drinking it and the way that my girlfriends were drinking it. So nothing in the tequila aisle um, that addressed the way that she wanted to be drinking, right, her. And so I knew that there was a white space there at that point. And, um, and then from there, once we realized that we, there was this opportunity, you know, we needed to go down to Mexico and find a distillery partner who we could partner up with who um, would make the product for us. And again, we were infusing and it, there wasn't anything down there that none of the distilleries were equipped to actually infuse at scale. And so we had to really find a partner who would go on this journey with us. And we were fortunate in that we did find that partner. It turns out it was a woman and she's also predominantly the, the most of her employees are women. Um, she's, and that was just by chance. Like we chose it based on the quality of the product, but it turned out it was staffed by women. But that was great because we, she, she really, you know, she oversaw construction for us. I mean, she did so much for us. So it was really incredible that we found her. But let me, I'm gonna, let me question. ask you, I, uh, insert yeah. a quick question. Do you, yeah, think, yeah. you think it was purely by chance or do you think that maybe you were onto something and your energy was aligning? Because I'm a big believer that energy and business matters. So now mm -hmm. you've got this focus, you're bringing this energy, you're being intentful about your girl and all of a sudden something brings you to this incredible product that's founded by a woman that has a ton of women working there. Yeah. Do you think it was accidental or do you believe maybe it was something else? I think I'm a big believer in reading the signs, right? Mm -hmm. Like when the signs present themselves, like be aware, always be on the lookout for the signs. And so, you know, obviously we thought it was a huge sign that like this place was owned by a woman and it turned out to, you know, we read the sign and we engaged and we, you know, we, we went after her like a hundred percent and, um, and it worked, you know? And so, yes, I, I do believe in reading the signs they're there. And when you choose the right, you know, if you see them, then I think then you're on the right path. So What's always be on the lookout. So what's that feel like? Because I'm almost wondering for those that are listening going, you know, I want to know when signs are showing up. So for you, like maybe you can just, you, you, you strike me as a very kinesthetic person. Like, so when some of these signs are just like hitting you, like, what does that feel like? Like, what's that sensation? Like, what's that, that mindset? Because maybe you can inspire someone now or in the future to, to listen to their signs and be present more. Yeah, I think that um, 
the the main thing the the thing that happens it's not that it it's not like that there's this feeling that that strikes you it's more just like if you plant that seed in your head to be aware of the signs to be on the lookout for them and you kind of like remind yourself of that um you know kind of daily i do with my kids too by the way in a different way like i'll i'll say to myself you know audit yourself once in a while and see what are what are your conversations with your kids like are you just talking at them or are you guys actually having a conversation? Mm -hmm. And so when I say that to myself, then it's like, I'm, it's at the top of my head, you know, it's, it's in the present. Like I, I remember it. So I mm -hmm. think it's more of just like, it's more about just reminding yourself to look, be on the lookout for the signs. And even just saying that, you know, like puts it at the top of your head. So in order to be lucky, you have to be prepared. You have to, you have to study, you have to do those deep dives, but you also have to be open to opportunity and science, right? It's yep. that's, that's what creates luck. People think it's totally. like, people will just say, Oh, if I just say, I want to make a million dollars, I'm going to make a million dollars. But if you prepare for something you're passionate about, like solving a problem for someone, solving a problem for yourself, uh, fitting in, in a specific box, and then it opens up, those signs will come to you and present. I truly believe that the universe will actually create opportunities and then uh, you could, for you to take advantage of and for them to work out. So that's awesome. Thank you. I, I, a little, a little spinoff, but I think it was worth it. No, I think it's, I think it's all part of the same, the same sort of thread, which is so interesting. And, you know, Kat, very, it's very clear to me for, for having the pleasure of talking to you a few times before today that, you're a manifester, right? So when I think about David, you know, I, I've been saying to David for 10 years that he's, he has this reality distortion field. It's this uncanny ability to just put something out in the world, put something out energetically, and then magically it happens, right? And it's like, there's, you know, they, they used to say that about Steve Jobs with the, re, that's the reality distortion field. But I'm very clearly hearing that you also have a reality distortion field to bring this, these things into the life. So I'm just wondering like how much of your life um, you incorporate that way of thinking. Clearly, you're doing it with your kids. So it sounds like it's a lot more than sort of off the proverbial, you know, CEO line, if you will. Ab absolutely. 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 I feel like oftentimes, and, and this has been a pattern, like my whole life, I've always like, I like you, Dave, like I'll put it out there. So many people are afraid uh, that someone's going to like steal their idea, you know, or like, or take something from them. And like, the reality is everyone's busy. That's the other thing I've observed is <laughs> like people are too busy to steal your idea. Like, and especially in my back in my movie career, right? It's it, there, especially, right? You think like, oh, I don't want to pitch that idea because someone's going to take it and run with it. And it's like, no, they're not. You have so much more to gain from sharing your ideas and putting them out there um, than you do like protecting them and sort of you know, working on them until they're perfect. I think there's so much to be gained from just a beta, like just throw it out there, you know, like get it going and then, and then see what happens and take those meetings and have those conversations and just be open. Um, and you will benefit from being open so much more than you will from being closed, you know, and that's like my mindset too. I have a very open mindset. I'm, I, I want, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I want to ask a question. You said something to me in the, in the sort of, you know, digital green room, if you will, since we're all doing this now with COVID virtually, um, that's really struck me on our prep call around this idea of, you know, you sort of took a break to be a mom. And I, and I love the fact that you were, you were proud of that, but, but then there was a moment where you said, okay, I'm going to get back at it and I'm going to launch this company. So I want to understand for, for all the moms out there and prospective moms out there and parents like that, that take that break to, to really do, you know, one of the most important jobs in the world, which is raising children, no matter if, you know, mother, father, whatever you are, I want to understand, like, what was that moment for you when you realized it's time, it's time to go back. I want to understand what was going through your mind and just tell the audience a bit about like what that shift is. Cause I think you gave yourself, I think a great gift to be able to take that break and to do that. And I think your kids are, you know, hopefully going to be grateful for that at some point because of the time that, you spent with them. So tell, take us through that because I think there's a lot of people that are listening that I think now are, are reevaluating their careers, especially with everything happening with COVID. So I just want to understand that and maybe just give some inspiration to, to the female founders that are going to start the next companies out there. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And and by the way, it's not all romantic and easy, right? Like this idea of like starting your own business. I mean, it is major sacrifice for sure. So you you definitely uh, you know, need to be thoughtful about when you do it, you know, and make sure that the the kids are in the right spot um, for you, for every family, it's their own personal decision, but it's a, it, you have to be like 200% committed. Um, but for me, part of it for me was always like, I knew that um, I'd want to go and do something again, you know, uh, it was important to me to be with the kids, but I, so I always stayed engaged. And again, I'm a, I, I love, I'm a total observer of the world and trends and I like to do deep dives. I always sort of like stayed connected and love to have those sort of business conversations with, um, with people. Like that's what I enjoy those kinds of conversations. So I think part of it is just staying engaged, you know, even though, you know, your priorities have shifted and the focus is the kids, um, you absolutely should stay engaged um, and start and take that time. Cause there's a lot of downtime, right. With the kids too. So take that time to explore and to educate yourself and to learn and, and, and have those conversations and like watch trends and sort of see, you know, be like, observe what is happening. What is bubbling up? Like, what are people, you know, what are people reading? What are they focused on? How are they eating? Where are they eating? It's just all those kinds of things. Like I was always fascinated. I love, and, and, the, and the tequila, you know, tequila is where I ended up, but prior to that, there were, you know, I, I would sort of start down the path of, of things like this exploration bit. And again, it's like that beta, like I probably started down the path of probably two or three other ideas that I was sort of thinking about exploring, you know, because again, to, to, to start a tequila company was not like the obvious, but then once I noticed that, you know, this is what everybody was sort of gravitating towards. And then I noticed these trends, that's when I've decided, okay, let's put more energy and effort into that. Um, so I think we're we're kindred spirits. Um, I think that if they did like yeah, it's a, weird. It's weird. I'm I'm feeling that too, Dave. Like, I, I mean, it's clear that you're both pattern like you're pattern watchers, but rule breakers. And Dave, you, I, I want to go back there for a moment because the rule breaking is I yeah. think finds both you as kindred spirits. So, Dave, maybe I'm gonna let you dig that back in. I'm not gonna let Cat off the hook on on where. No, she's no, no. Going. I'll I'll jump in there. I think I even know where you're going. Like it, in do. sort of how you build a, a brand, right? Like a spirits yes. brand, like the traditional. And and we came up against this time and time again because as a, as a supplier, we have to sell to a distributor, and then the distributor sells to the restaurants, bars, and to the retailers. So our first customer is actually a distributor. So you have to get them on board on how, you know, they're going to go on and then sell the product and, and, and create awareness and all of that. And so, and the distributors are predominantly men. That's just, this is the nature of the, of the industry. So we're really like trying to say to them like, okay, this is how we want to be doing it. And it's very different how, than how they want to be building a brand, right? Like, so traditionally brands are built in the on-premise, so the restaurants and the bars, exactly. So, and the idea is that you go into a bar, you you know, you saddle up to the bar and and hang out with the bartender for you know 30 minutes, and he explains or she explains to you the history of the of the spirit and serves it to you in a cocktail that's so like you know delicious and amazing, earth-shattering that you fall so in love with that cocktail that you want to replicate that experience at home. And so then you go to the off premise, which is the retailer and you buy a bottle of that tequila and, you know, drink it and, and drink it at home and share it with your friends. So the discovery of the brand happens in the on premise mm -hmm. and it's the job of that bartender to really do that job for you of helping you discover it. And then you go home and you drink it in the off premise and the volume really comes in the off premise. Like that's where in order to be a big, huge spirits brand, you have got to have volume in the off premise, right? Because you buy one bottle, it's a whole bottle. You buy one drink, that's one of, you gotta buy 12 more drinks to finish that bottle, right? At a Absolutely. bar, so it doesn't deplete as fast. So in, in my mind, when I was being told this, cause again, we didn't know anything about spirits. So they were saying, okay, this is how you build a brand. And I was thinking, as I was listening, that is absolutely not how we're building this brand. <laughs> because girl, like, I don't know the last time you know, I had an amazing experience at a bar as a woman, right? Like I don't have any girlfriends 
who saddle up to a bar and have like a 20 minute conversation with a bartender, right? Like if they speak to the bartender at all, first of all, they probably are thinking he's trying to hit on her. And so they want to get away from the bar as fast as possible, or they had to just make their way through like a sea of people to get to the bar, to get the bartender's attention. And then, you know, when they get up there, it's like, if they say anything, they might just say either make me the drink, please. Or can I get that less sweet? Right? Mm -hmm. Like that might be the thing I say to the bartender. And then I just want to grab those drinks as fast as I possibly can and go and have fun with my friends, right? Like whether- about the aging process of the agave plant. I don't want to know any of that. Or anything ridiculous. Exactly. I don't want to know any of that, right? I just want to know, I just want to get my cocktail and I want to go to the table, hang out with my girlfriends. If I'm out with my girlfriends, you know, go back to my business meeting if that's what I'm doing get back to my husband or my boyfriend, you know, like if you have a boyfriend, like go back to my date night because I'm away from my kids. Like the last thing I want to do is learn anything from my bartender, you know, and I, God bless them. And there's definitely an audience for that, but it's not for, for women. Right. And so I thought, my God, when, you know, I, I would listen to some of these guys, I'm like, when's the last time, have you ever observed what happens at a bar? Like that, none of that happens at a bar. Right. And bars are so busy now at restaurants. I mean, every, this was, you know, pre-COVID, sure. it was so chaotic in that setting. And I actually feel sorry for bartenders because what they are required to do, you know, in any restaurant setting, right? What they are required to do is the job of like six people in the front of the house, right? Mm-hmm. Like imagine it's like they're required to do the job of, of the concierge, like the person at the front, the hostess or the host, right? That greets you. Um, the waiter, the runner, the chef, the sous chef, which there are probably two or three, you know, um, and then the waiter again to get the bar, the bill, like a bartender has to do seven, eight things, you know, and be and, nice. And compliance, and compliance to make sure that you're not getting drunk. They have to remember you and That's keep right. an eye on your, whether or not you're inebriated because they're That's liable. right. That's right. So like, what are the, it's like, there's no way this is not happening in a vacuum, right? Like this is happening in real life. It's like Sully when he landed the plane, right? And remember the simulator, like the simulator landed. It's like, yeah, but that's not what happens in real life. This isn't happening in a simulator. You're stressed out of your mind and you got, you just lost two engines and you got to land this plane in the Hudson, right? So it's like, that's not, that's great in this room. You're telling me that brands are, you know, built in the on-premise, but that is not what is happening in real life. In real life, it's chaos. It's a jungle out there, you know? And if you're, there's no way that that bartender is going to make it consistently every time that it's going to be an amazing cocktail. Like nine times out of 10, I think it's going to be a worse experience than the way that I want someone to make my, my cocktail. Not consistent, not exactly. You own that entire experience now. And I I want to touch on that because as someone who is hyper-focused on both spotting trends as well as creating them, I'd love for you to share with the audience a bit in terms of maybe some of your uh, tricks, maybe not all your secrets, but just a couple as to with brands being built now at every touch point, how are you building the brand to make sure that you're delivering that consistency? You're, you're having those great stories that they're on your website, they're, they're everywhere. And again, I just, I'm, I'm now obviously an avid follower because of, of chatting with you, but take us through that. Where's the yeah. brand being built for you? And like, what are you doing to, to make sure that you're part of the zeitgeist and then continuing to contribute to it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so enter the outer premise. <laughs> That's, uh-huh. And that is where we are building this brand. So it is not in, we, we do have stuff in the on-premise, but that is not our focus. Our focus is the outer premise, which is, you know, so for other brands as well, it's like figure out where your demo is, who, where your customer is, figure out where that customer is, and then go and find them where they are already. Right. So for us, it was like, where are other women already? Where have they already been congregated, you know, pulled together? Um, and how do we, and then tap into where that's happening. So for example, you know, we reach to other female founded brands and other brands in the wellness space, right? And so, and then we reached to those folks and we said, hey, listen, and this was say pre-COVID, if they were doing events, right? We, that they, and they already had like, they were much bigger brands than we were. We were just getting started. And by the way, it does also help And back to your point, um, Dave, I think you made this point where it is about a little bit of luck, right? Like we are aware that we came to market hitting every trend that was going on in spirits at the time, right? So when we came to market, we were tequila, absolutely a huge trend. 
um, RTDs, right? Ready to drink's a huge trend. And we were like a tequila that kind of drank like a ready to drink. So we hit that trend, the wellness trend, lower ABV, we're a little lower ABV. We could make an easy spritz. The spritz trend was a huge trend. And the fact that we were female founded, like that was a big trend, you know, and continues to be a big trend in more than just spirits, right? In any, in any category. And product for female too, like the actual exactly. fact that it was designed for a female that didn't have the word skinny on it or something right. ridiculous. Yeah. Right. It wasn't just pink, slap a skirt on it, make it a, a you know, a diet drink. Like there's so much more to women than that. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So it was like finding, you know, the, all that was happening. So women were so em- embracing of what we were trying to do. So these other brands were like completely supportive, which was by the way, so different than even 20 years ago when I was in the movie industry and, you know, was looking to other women as mentors and stuff. And it, they weren't as helpful. It wasn't so open and embracing as it is now. So other female brands really brought us in. They're like, yeah, you know, I mean, we did stuff with Veronica Beard. Um, you know, we did stuff with Suja. Like we had these, we reached to them. We said, Hey, listen, let's do collabs together. Uh, and, and put, you know, whether it's a cocktail that we, we created and put it out on social media, or it was an event where we could control how our girl was interacting with our brand and having that great experience with our brand that, you know, traditionally people were trying to do in the on-premise, we were doing it in this outer premise and mm-hmm. it, and it was working. And so very quickly, like people started to discover our brand and, and really become like advocates of it. We have, you know, we have uh, just a, a ton of celebrities, for example, that, you know, are not, um, they're, they're not paid by us. They're not, they just authentically love the brand and they're out there pushing it. And I think it speaks to, you know, like from like Oprah Winfrey to, uh, Katie Couric to Jessica Alba to Naomi Watts. And now even Tay Diggs, like they just, they're finding the brand. It's how they want to drink. And they're out there pushing the brand on social media. And it's incredible because it's like, really speaks to how this is how people want to be drinking and, mm-hmm. and they find the brand in there and they're doing that in an authentic way. So for us, it's this outer premise is really how we've done it and we continue to do it. And of course we could not have predicted COVID obviously, but COVID has now made it so that other brands now really need to hurry up and catch up and, and really play in this space of, you know, online media, social media, online uh, publishing and, and to, to get the word out because, you know, you can't taste people on your product anymore in stores. And now more than ever, I think people are relying on, you know, this, this format to, to spread the words on their brand. I'm going to call that another moment where you saw a sign or where the sign hits you. It's not luck again, it's preparation, it's smart thinking, and then it's timing and trend because what I'm hearing from you is you lucked out because had you invested the traditional way in on-prem and spent a ton of money and ground and ground people, I mean, most of that would be all for naught because right. they're predicting that like cities like New York City are predicting that they could be 65 to 75% of the restaurants left standing right now in the big cities are going to not be around next year, which means that all that work would have gone completely out the window for you. So, so right. again, another sign open up, you were there, you were present, you were intentional, and good things happened. I think that's important for all of our listeners to pay attention to, or watchers, if you're watching this, to know is that you really, really got to hone in on that ability and believe in that ability uh, to see those signs. Now, another rule break that you had is that how you've raised capital, right? Or how you've actually (laughs) not raised capital, I should say, because my understanding is that you've turned down quite a bit of uh, uh, capital and help walk us through that part. Cause I think everyone thinks that they've got an idea, they've got to go out and raise money. Um, or if someone comes to them that feels big and, 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 and can help them grow that they've got to take it. What That's happened right. there? Cause you broke some rules there too. Yeah, for sure. And, and what I would say there is that, you know, I don't, I don't, um, it's, I want to make sure that everybody understands you do have to raise money. Like, you know, we did raise money for sure. The question is like, where does that money come from? Right. And that's where I think we sort of, yeah, maybe, maybe didn't do it the normal way. 
um, which was like, so first of all, it was, I, we, we have the good fortune once again, to be based in the Bay area where there is a lot of money available, you know, for, for fundraising, because there are just a ton of entrepreneurs here who've had great exits themselves and who are now looking to reinvest, uh, in other entrepreneurs. So that's like a really cool ecosystem that we happen to be living in. Um, so we had that, that, that's pretty, that's a bit of luck, right? In that we happen to be starting this company in the Bay area. So I, I always want to, I'm aware of it, believe me, right? I'm not trying to start a company in the middle of, you know, nowhere. Um, so there's a lot of money out here, but for us being female founded, the first thing was, is we, we want to make sure we had a lot of women on our cap table, right? Mm -hmm. Like here, because, you know, when you take money is, you know, you, for us, like we wanted to make sure that that money was also um, like these were our ambassadors, right? Like anybody who invested in our company would then go out and be excited about our product and tell their network of friends and people they knew about the product. So we we wanted many many investors. You know, some people don't because uh, it's a pain in the butt, right, to have to talk to a bunch of investors. But investors. for us, Man. yeah. But for us, it was like, we wanted a t so many investors, many, many, many investors, and we wanted them to be like-minded, right? So we thought if we could bring women and, and have our, our women be um, on our cap table, A, that's not really happening that much in the Bay Area, unfortunately, even with all of these women who've like had their own exits and have, you know, their money they want to invest, they don't get invited to invest in early stage in, in investing. So we thought, you know, if we, we bring them on, this is great because we're going to give them this opportunity as well, which is going to be awesome. We're female founded. And then secondly, they're going to be our ambassadors. So it wasn't just about like, give me a dollar. It was like, give me a dollar plus your entire network of folks that you're going to spread the message to. So that was like hugely important to us. And we knew they would do that work versus, um, you know, we did have the big brands, big brands that we've all heard of um, who came to us and wanted to invest um, in us. And if we were a company that didn't have the ability to raise money, we would have maybe had to take their money, right? And, um, and A, they would not have done anything for us in terms of, you know, being that ambassador out there and that other piece of it. And also just, we would have had to give away so much more of our company than mm -hmm. we ended up having to give away because they really, you know, they're just looking for trends themselves, which I don't blame them. They're, they're, they're running big businesses, but it's not emotional for them. It's not personal. So to and the they're going to tell you what to do as well. Right. What do you, don't you think they would start to influence you? Yeah. I mean, it, um, for the most part, I will say like just in full transparency, that wasn't such a big piece of it. Like at the level that they were going to come in, they weren't going to try to take control of the, of the business, but it was more like for us, you know, again, just really looking at, you know, when you're small and you're like a startup, every decision that you make, even though it's small, you know, you have to look at it like the full 360 and like, what are you going to get out of that? Even just in how we look at like PR moments or any sort of, a hit, like how can we amplify that and make it bigger and, and, and have a greater reach. And for us, like every one of those dollars represents a person that has a network that can amplify our message. And to us, that was more important than say, maybe having, you know, a giant brand uh, be our backer, which maybe would be like a great PR um, moment for a second. But like once, another story comes along and it's not the hot story anymore. You know, it was like a blip. It didn't mean as much as in the long run, having this network of people who are out there, like spreading our message. What I want to touch on there, I really want to make sure we don't lose this yeah. because we talk about this all the time with our teams and our clients, this idea of the importance of connected brand experiences, right? So everything about the way you look at trends, the way you look at networks, the way you look at everything with this brand, it's connected, right? So you, you totally. said 360, which again, it's all about connections. It's all about the inner connectivity. So I love that you're thinking about the decisions you make are clearly long game decisions, right? So I think we, we see a lot of organizations that make very short-sighted decisions to sort of get that little blip in the radar. What I love about what you're doing with 21 Seeds is you're looking at all the different seeds that you're planting, no pun intended. Totally. And I'm coming back to that, by the way, because I, I want to know more from you as to 
why 21 seeds out of, out of, you know, why not 27? Why not 52? Right. <laughs> so we're going to come back to that, but I just, I just don't want the audience to lose sight of that. So for those that are listening now or in the future, really make sure that you understand the relationship of, of different ideas of different concepts of different things. And don't just chase that one moment because then you're not going to be able to be as cool as cat. From a point of view. <laughs> so, so take, take us through the name actually, just be, before I, the, I the name, that. the yeah. name is so definitely did not come out of a Diageo focus group for sure. <laughs> um, we, it's actually the, the, the thing about 21 seeds, it's actually two, one seeds. So we're two sisters, one friend, two sisters, one girlfriend, and oh. then seeds. Yeah. Seeds for many, many things. The, the least of not is that everything that goes into 21 seeds is all natural and grows from a seed, but also this idea that like, what, what's tequila really for? Like, what is this, what is drinking a spirit really about anyway? Right. It's about like bringing people together, the planting the seeds of something bigger. Like it's the inspiration of just a good time or, you know, a, a, or even if you're drinking over something that's sad, like coming together, bonding, like celebrating, whatever it is, like this planting these seeds of something bigger. And so that's, that's really what it's all about. But the 21 is actually two one. I love that. That's again. And by the way, to your not. point, Dave, like with luck, like here we are going into 2021. So of course, what's going to be the tequila of 2020 or, you know, the, the, the spirit of 2021 has got to be 21 seeds. So, yeah. and, and, and we all need a change, right? Like who everyone wants 2020 to fall by the wayside, like by 2020, welcome yes. 2021 yes. with 21 seeds. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. So we are, we've talked a lot about brand. We've talked a lot about the aha moments. We've heard a little bit about your progress. I want to move us now into another part of our, what we talk about, which is pivots and pitfalls. Now, uh, have you during this time had to make a decision and pivot from it? Or uh, when you think about pitfalls, either professionally in the company as a leader or just as a human, what has come, what has come your way so far in these last two years? Or if you, even in the last nine years, as you've really been working on this for nine years, I think people will say, oh, look how lucky she got in two, but they don't realize you got nine in already, but people don't always see that nine, right? It's sort of like when someone- Overnight hires, success in 10 years? <laughs> yeah, it's only it's like, taken it's like, 10 years. It's like sort of like when someone hires like, uh, uh, us as a consultancy, they're like, well, you only worked on this for an hour. And I'm like, I've been working on this my whole life. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know? It's so, all of those learnings that you've brought to that moment. Yeah. So, so have, had, have you had to make a decision and pivot from it? If so, if you could share, that, tell us how that went. Uh, or uh, if you haven't yet, um, tell us about some pitfalls that you've hit as an entrepreneur and a business leader. Yeah. So, um, the thing that comes to mind right away when, when, when you just talk about this whole sort of general area of conversation is, um, you know, at, was there ever a time in this, in this company where it just all almost just unraveled and came apart, right? And, and there absolutely was a time. I know exactly the time. I know the precise moment that it almost came apart. And I know where I was sitting. You know, I was, at, it was, in, I was in my kitchen. I was sitting at the island. And, um, and what's interesting is that that moment was different for the three founders, for the three of us. We all experienced it at a different time. Mm -hmm. And actually, the most surprising part of it all is that it was at the time, it wasn't at the moment where things like started to go really wrong. Uh, it was, it wasn't like, oh my God, we're not going to make, uh, you know, we're not going to make payroll or, oh my God, the trucks aren't going to get across the border with the tequila. It wasn't like something was going to go devastatingly wrong, actually quite the opposite. It was that moment when it's sort of the weight of realizing that this was actually going to go like this, so this company, yeah, exactly. Like success was about to hit for us. Mm. And um, this product was going to go right. Like this was going to be a real company. And then of course, then it was like that whole like imposter syndrome, like, like washes over you. And you're like, I was like, Oh my God, there's no, I don't know how to be a CEO of a tequila company. Like I, I, I never studied being like a CEO of anything. Like I've never hired people. I don't really know how to hire people. I don't know like what makes it. I don't even know how to write like a great job description. Like 
it, all of these things, I started thinking like, how am I going to do this? Like, there's no way I can do this. And I was paralyzed. Like I, I literally was like, I, I called my sister. I was like, you need to be the CEO. I can't even be the CEO. And I actually, I don't even know if I should, like, I don't even know if we're going to be able to do this. Like, this is, this is going to be a huge undertaking. Do you understand? Like 50 States, like we're going to roll out. It was, it just kept flooding. It came, it came way like a huge tidal wave over me. I feel it right now. I feel. I it know. Right I was like, I was dying. I was like dr drowning. I was drowning. I and some music to this part. I know. And I was drowning and it just, and then right at that moment, my husband called and I was like, Oh, I'm like, I can't, I'm not going to do this anymore. And it was really at the moment where he, and he gave me this, right. He gave me this, uh, he, he's like, okay, this is, and he, and he's a banker and he's worked with many entrepreneurs. So he, this was reassuring. He was like, you're exactly where you need to be on the trajectory of an entrepreneur. He's like, okay, so here's what's happening. He's like your project, which was this idea that you wanted to start a tequila company. That project has now become a company. It's becoming oh, a company. And that was like, for me, I was like, Oh my God, like aha moment. Like I totally understood what he was saying. And he, he said, it has gone from being a project to being a company. And then he gave me a really good example um, because, you know, he could, he, he knew I could draw on this and uh, we have two kids. And he said, listen, he's like, take our kids, for example, they're 10 and 13 years old, right? We created them, right? They were babies and we did that, you and I. But then a whole village of people entered their life and helped create who they are today, right? You didn't teach them how to play soccer or how to swim. You know, a, an instructor taught them that. Their teachers taught them how to do math. You didn't do that, right? So, and he kind of like went through it all. And as he was talking, I was like, it was like everything calmed. And I thought, oh my God, this is exactly right. Like I need mm -hmm. to, you know, I need to like, I need to kind of let go of trying to do everything. Like the three of us were trying to do everything ourselves and mm. the, the business had grown beyond that and we couldn't do it anymore. We couldn't keep up. And it was really time to like now start thinking about this thing as a company. And your husband what, sounds like Tony Robbins. I want to meet him. <laughs> well. like, I could use a little bit of that inspiration in my life. Right now. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, there's been so many moments that you've talked about things that I've, I, I thought were beautiful, but this, that's such a beautiful thought. It's almost like when, uh, you know, when you're pregnant for the first time and you, you know, you probably go through those thoughts in your head. I know I did. I have oh, to totally. And then all of a sudden the doctor hands you the baby and it's go time. Right. It's go time. <laughs> and, and you just know, like for, for me, I remember that moment when my daughter was handed to me and I just remember looking at her and said, my, my, my two comments were like, I'm fucked. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But, but not because I was a dad, but because I knew that I would do anything for her. Right. But, but also I knew I was like, I'm ready to protect this, this, this human. Right. And, and you just get there. So you, you, your analogy is just beautiful. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, and, and that moment with your husband, I think that's incredible. Um, and it's just that, that, that prog it's a progress. It's a pivot. It's a mindset reframing. It's everything that people need to hear. And I think they're going to really, really love that. Make sure that's a, that's a macro moment right there. We're going to have to clip that one big. Um, thank you so much for that. And then, and then you've, and then on the personal side, you've also had some, some stuff. I read some articles where, you know, your friends don't understand why you're so busy now. You're not having tequila parties anymore. Right. So like, so like, how did, yeah. how did you know, on the personal side, how do you deal with, how'd you deal with that? Or, or, you know, what's the, what would you give advice to someone like yourself that has to deal with sort of the sacrifices you have to make as an entrepreneur? Because a lot of people, whether they're entrepreneurial or intrapreneurial or just hardworking, you know, people, they, they don't know how to, to cope with that. What, what's been your, what's been helpful for you? What's a little advice you'd give? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing that I would just say, because it's just the reality, right. Of starting a business, like you just have to do it. Um, you have to put in that time. It's not unlike when someone has a baby, right? Like you kind of don't see those people either for the first three months of that whole experience. Um, what I would just say there is like, listen, don't beat yourself up about it. Cause I, I don't like, I can only do so much in a day and I have to do the stuff that, you know, um, is the pressing stuff, which is, which is 
oftentimes it's the work stuff. Um, find a balance, let yourself off the hook, but also just realize that like the, you're an adult, they're also adults. They are entitled to feel um, neglected and annoyed. So they have a right to say that to you. Don't take it personally, but you do have to hear it and you, you got to listen to it. And just the thing I would say is, create really, if you're not, if you don't already have good boundaries and the ability to like, um, you know, hold your boundary, like develop a boundary, create a boundary for yourself and just stick to it before you start a business, invest in some therapy to create good boundaries before you start a business. (laughs) Because having good boundaries and just knowing that like, here's what I'm capable of and I'm an adult and I'm entitled to be capable of just this, but you're entitled to be pissed because you're also, you know, you have your boundary and um, and, and that that comes with it, like being annoyed at me. Um, I have to listen to it and then we can just move on. Like, I'll listen. You have a right to be mad. Um, and it happens. I mean, it's, it's going to happen, but I agree. I think, I think you should invest in therapy and then through the business. Um, I, I think you can always get better. Um, and I also think from the, from an energy, from an energetic perspective that, uh, as your energy changes in your business, as, as you become more confident in your business, and in life in general, the right people automatically sort of gravitate to the circle and the wrong people will start to fade away. And I think people have to get that. So Kat, I'm going to pivot us into the final piece of this conversation, which is what's the future of 21 Seeds? Where are you going? What should people be looking for with your awesome brand? Um, yep. Take it away. Yeah. So the future is looking bright. And again, a little bit of luck going into 2021. We think it's going to be the year of 21 seeds for sure. Um, We are now, you're going to see a lot more of us in a lot more places. So really the focus is about distribution and expanding distribution um, beyond the states that we're currently in. So right now, you know, you can, you can get us in California, New York, Texas, Florida, um, you know, Tennessee. I mean, we're in about 19 states, but by the end of next year, we'll probably be in almost all of the states, maybe not all the control states, um, because that's a different process. But so you're going to see us um, in more states and then within those states in more accounts, right? Like really the focus is about the chain business for us, because again, that's where you know, in the states where you can buy um, spirits and grocery, like that's where our girl shops, right? So Mm -hmm. we want to be in all of those chains. So um, next year you'll see us at like Walmart and we're expanding in Target now. We had a great test there. Um, We're expanding at Whole Foods. Um, We're expanding at Pavilions, at Ralph's, um, Vons. Um, So in grocery, you're going to see a lot more of us. Um, And then in in independent accounts too, not just grocery in places in states where you can't sell, you know, in grocery, those accounts um, in retail. Our focus is really retail because, um, you know, this product, 21C is such an easy product to use at home. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just infused tequila, add club soda, and you have a perfect cocktail. So um, it's really easy for her to use it at home. Um, so we want to make sure that it's readily available uh, to be bought uh, in, and, in stores. And if you don't have it in your state yet, you can't you can't sell direct to consumer, but you've got partners we, on each That's coast, right. Correct? Who are they? That's, yeah, that's right. So, well, wine.com, reserve bar, wine.com and reserve bar um, are both partners. You can go to Drizzly, mini bar, all of those places, um, you know, just type in 21 seeds. Sometimes you have to put 21 space seeds. Sometimes it's 21 seeds, all one word. So try both if you're not finding it because we're in all of those things. Um, but if you go to 21seeds.com, our website, and go to the Find Us page, you'll be able to find you know, a retailer near you or someone that will ship to you uh, in the states where you can ship. So we, we, can, get, we can pretty much get it to um, a lot of people just even right now. So if you go mm-hmm. to, again, our website, uh, 21seeds.com, then um, and go to find us, you'll, you'll, you'll see it. But the, the, the real thing for us for next year is distribution and expansion in terms of availability, you know, because people still love to go into stores and, and, and buy. It's convenient, you know, and awesome. they want it right then and there. <laughs> they don't want to wait for the shipping. I know you don't like to read books, but I can't wait to read yours because you're definitely writing one. So the question <laughs> is, is it going to be in 2021 or later? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Kat, when you're going to be, I think you're going to be, listen, Oprah, Katie Couric, you're getting all these mentions right now. In a year from now, or probably six months from now, you're going to be twice, as, three times as busy, 
four times as famous uh, as a brand and as a leader. Um, I hope we can bring you back on because there's all, uh, so much more I think we can cover. And I don't think that people on podcasts have the type of attention that we'd like them to have. So we're going to end here. We're going to wrap this up for now. Uh, I really wanted to get into consumer with you and the relationships you heard, I've heard about from someone else in your company that told me that your founders are literally jumping on, on the customer service and, and having, Oh yeah. <laughs> like there's so much to get into, but I, I think for now, this has been absolutely fantastic. You've been a wonderful guest. Um, we are so pleased to have you join us on forward obsessed. Same thing to all of our, uh, uh, listeners and watchers and uh, we're going to wrap it up. If you've got anything to say before we sign off, this is your moment. The guy from Hot Wings is my inspiration when he goes, say it to that camera and that camera and that camera, but we're just <laughs> saying it to the Zoom camera, so you're up. I love that. Say it to that camera. I'm like, tequila for you, tequila for you, tequila for you. It's like Oprah says it, right? <laughs> it's been awesome, you guys. I, I will definitely come back. I'll come back anytime. This was so much fun. Um, I'd, be, I'd love to just you know, give you an update, you know, in a year from now, let's see at the end of 2021, let's see if everything I predicted came true and 21 sees the number one tequila of the year. We'll see. I think, I think it's going to happen for sure. I hope yeah. so. Man, yeah. Three manifestors right now. 21 seeds in the future. Putting it out there. Boom. 21, 21, 21. Cool. Exactly. All right. Well, 